At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. <clears throat> Welcome back to the show, everybody. If this is your first time listening to Chasing Tales, we've had a lot of growth, and I imagine that there's at least two or three people that uh, don't know about the show. Thank you for tuning in. This is going to be a fun episode. We're getting back to the fundamentals of what the fall is all about for us. The summer is darn near over, and it's time to talk whitetail hunting. I'm your host, Walt, and I am joined from across the great state of Florida by my co-host, Chase. Dude, I am so happy to be back on the mic with you. Yeah, man, no doubt. I'm, I'm looking forward to this uh, episode. Uh, it's another saddle episode, but I think it'll be, it's kind of, we've kind of stuck with that theme for a little bit here and, but I still think there's plenty left to touch on. So I think it'll be a great episode with uh, Jared Schaefer. Uh, most people know him as flinging arrows on YouTube or Hunt Appalachia, which he's a part of. And I, I can't wait for him to uh, get on the show and talk to us about saddle hunting. And he just recently became part of the tethered crew. Am I right? Yeah. Yep, he's the media manager for Tethered Nation. So, uh, congrats to Jared, dude. I, I'm I'm thrilled for you. You know, I gave you a lot of crap on on social media and uh, but about it and being jealous. But, dude, the truth of the matter is, I am jealous, and I, I couldn't be happier for you, man. You you've got a, a you worked hard and you got an awesome job. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, sounds like he and that sounds like the perfect job for him. From from what I understand. Yeah. Yeah, the guy lives and breathes filming, and he just he has a good time doing it. You know, it's he's one of those guys. I've been picking his brain as we've moved into YouTube. If you guys haven't already seen, go to the Chasing Tales Outdoors YouTube channel. We dropped a, our first part in a uh, collaboration between uh, Southern Ground and Hunting and us. And as I've gotten some awesome feedback from you guys about a the saddle hunting topic as a whole, which that seems to be the number one demanded thing right now, Chase, and doing that video we're looking at upgrading some of our video equipment so but he's he's been helping me with a lot of that video and we're, you know we're we're narrowing down a list of cameras and we're going to have that going so the youtube channel is going to keep going it's not going to be a super frequent thing so you know don't tune in every day but we're going to start mixing that in uh as well but talking about 
bringing the video to you guys, we've got two sponsors of this show. First, the title sponsor, Tethered. We mentioned that a couple episodes ago. I know that Chase uh, looks out his window every day about 2 o'clock and and looks for the mailman, hoping he's got a package for him. Yeah, man, no doubt. I've never been uh, so excited to see the mailman or lady that brings my... uh... Man is is saddle, so I I don't care who it is as long as that sucker shows up on my front door so I can uh, get that thing dialed in and uh, ready for the hunting season, which is uh, getting closer every day. We're we're on the time clock right now, so I'm super excited about that. And I have actually, I was out earlier, I was testing out uh, some of the broadheads that I recently bought. I recently bought some of those severed broadheads. Right, and right, right. I'd seen a lot of good reviews on YouTube and stuff like that and decided I'd give them a chance. So I'm making sure I got those dialed in and I got a few other little things that I'm messing with that's not like saddle related uh, currently. But whenever that saddle gets here, it's just going to be all saddle all the time just so I can make sure I'm ready opening day. And I'm so glad that I'll have a tethered Mantis on as well. Well, and the good news is our second sponsor is helping to bring this filming equipment to us, which means I'll have photos of you and videos of you in a Tethered Mantis very soon. And that second sponsor is our Patreon subscribers. Guys, y'all have obviously been spreading the word because we've had a a number of people join Patreon here recently. We're going to give a shout-out to Eric Redder. He is the most recent person to join Patreon. Thank you so much for your contribution. And Guys, if you go to YouTube and you enjoy the, the videos, or if you just enjoy this podcast as a whole and you want to contribute to the podcast, consider going to patreon.com forward slash Chasing Tales Outdoors. All that money goes right into the production of this show. We're not taking any of that money for ourselves, and we're, we've got a goal in there that if we hit it, we are going to buy outright, start buying outright uh, video equipment to bring you fishing videos and little vlogs and stuff like that and just keep slowly expanding you know, the offerings of Chase of Tales as you guys have asked for it. So uh, thanks to, to Eric and everybody else who, who supports the show. Yeah, man. And don't forget about the giveaway we're doing as well for any mm, new members that sign up. Uh, Patreon, we're giving away a Predator platform by Tethered, which is That's it. $179 value, I believe. I do believe so. Yep. So yep. that's that's a great prize if you think about it, uh, with the chance that you have to win. And then we're also going to start trying to do quarterly giveaways as well. That yep. way we can just say thank you for sponsoring or basically being a sponsor of the show uh, to the exactly. listeners. Exactly. You know, when when I started this podcast, I wanted the people to have a, a say in where the podcast is going, and that we have done that thus far by, you know, when you guys come in mass to me and say, hey, we want to see this kind of content, we bring it to you. We're flexible. We, we don't book things so far in advance that, that uh, we lose that flexibility. And another way I wanted to give you all a say in this show is to allow you to donate directly to the show, and that's your mechanism. So quarterly giveaways. I just posted a blooper reel, actually, to Patreon, and that's gotten some <laughs> awesome feedback, a lot of laughs. Nice. Um, so, yeah, it's there's a lot of fun stuff coming there, and we've got some more stuff. We've got more plans for Patreon that are coming down the pipe, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So uh, I think with that said, let's go ahead and get them on over to the show. Let's do it, man. All right. All right, guys, we are back. We've got this week's guest on the line, and this fellow was was burning up the shutter count right up until the moment that I called this fellow. (laughs) We have got the new media manager for Tethered Nation. I think I got your title right, Jared Schaefer. Dude, how the heck are you? I'm doing good, brother. How about you? 
not as good as you. Chase said it right before we hit record. I'm mighty envious of what you're doing right now, but it could not have happened to a better person. So I just take solace in the fact that good things happen to good people. So, well, I appreciate it. It's definitely a you know, it still doesn't seem real to me, but uh, yeah, I'm getting to do what I love to do, and uh, times when it gets to say something like that, it's uh, it's a good thing. So. Right on, man. No, it, it's it's awesome. I, I, I'm kidding. I'm obviously a little jealous, but uh, in all seriousness, I, congrats to you, dude. It's a good. It's a great group of people. That tethered family. I, I'm sorry I didn't get to meet you and a couple other people there at uh, the World Deer Expo, but getting to hang out with Greg and Ernie and Adrian and Parker. I mean, geez, I, that's just awesome, awesome people. So yeah, yeah, they're all good dudes for sure. <laughs> So tonight's topic is going to be saddle hunting. Obviously, we said that in the intro. You don't have flinging arrows on the uh, on the on the podcast and not talk uh, saddle hunting. But what I think sure. a lot of people don't know about you is you've been doing this. You're one of the guys that was doing this before it was cool. And I kind of want to get your perspective on that because this has been an evolution for you that I've got to watch through your YouTube videos. Um, I remember, I think it was like a, was it a Guido's web was one of your first videos that you were going and doing like a midsummer hanging observation set. Was that one yeah, of those? Yeah, that's, yeah, it all started. Jared, let's start off with this evolution because I'm sure you didn't just start off with some awesome saddle. You kind of started with some more humble roots. What was your, what was your stand set up prior to going saddle? And then what was your first saddle? Yeah. So I was rocking a, uh, it was an API climber. I can't. I can't remember the uh, the model of it. Maybe it was a Grand Slam or something like that. But it it was like thirty seven pounds bare. I don't know. It was really really heavy. But uh, yeah, that was you know I, I used that thing uh, for years. I don't know ten ten years or something like that. And then you know as I got into self filming and carrying more camera gear, it was just it just got to be too much. So the the saddle thing kind of I started looking into it about two thousand eleven. I think it was. And uh, it took me a couple of years to talk myself into it. And then in 2014, early in the summer, I uh, scrounged up enough money to get a Guido's web. And that was my, my very first setup. Oh, man. So I didn't know this. So kind of camera gear was kind of the catalyst to push you into, into saddle hunting? Yeah. Yeah, because I started filming back in like 2002. I mean, Whoa, you know, before wow. everybody and their brother was doing it. So, you know, as I progressed you know carrying camera arms and bigger cameras and stuff like that i mean you know you're looking at you know 45 pounds of the backpack and uh i wasn't in that good of shape so <laughs> <laughs> oh man how could you not be though with 45 pounds on your back i guess you maybe got in better shape during the hunting season as time went on and you're... you got used to it yeah, and you're out of. Were you in West Virginia back then? Because that's where you're based out of now. Were you? Have you always hunted out of West Virginia? Yeah, yeah, I've always been here in in northern West Virginia. Okay, nice hunting the hills. So, what was your first camera setup? Out of, out of curiosity, I'm just 2002. The the handy cam wasn't a popular thing then yet, was it? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what I was even using. <laughs> it took tapes. I remember that. It wasn't uh, it wasn't an SD card. <laughs> No. Oh man, that's so you were working with standard definition in 2002, weren't you? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Oh man, there there that's that's cool, dude. I, see, I knew you'd been doing it for a second. I didn't realize it went back that far. I mean, that's what uh 16 years, 17 years yeah. almost. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's Ooh. been a good while. That's awesome. Yeah. 
that is cool. Were you, or when did you start? When did you start your YouTube channel then? If you started filming back in '02, when did you actually start the YouTube channel? Because it doesn't seem like YouTube really started got strong until what, maybe eight or nine years ago. It started kind of coming on more. Yeah, I'm trying to remember when I when I started. Probably ten years ago, I would say. I'm, yeah, I'm, I can't remember exact dates or anything like that. But uh, I can remember my first successful hunt was in that I filmed was in 2005, I believe. And then, you know, every year since then, I, you know, got a little bit better and got better at capturing that footage and telling the story. So it's definitely been a, a big progression over the years. What was the catalyst for that? Why did you want to carry a camera? Because you're already carrying a bunch of weight as it was. What was the allure to you in 2002 to start carrying it? I've always been just fascinated with cameras and taking pictures and doing video and stuff like that. So I grew up watching like the very first real tree monster bucks and that, I don't know, just something about that. Like that's what I always wanted to do was to, you know, film hunts and, you know, make videos like that. Um, I just, I guess I thought it was cool when it was, you know, I liked seeing that stuff on TV as a kid. And, yeah. Uh, you know, as I got to go out and do my own things, I just kind of wanted to capture that. So that was pretty much the only reason. So did, were you of the opinion then that all they did was hunt for a living and that was just the coolest thing ever? Because I was of the opinion. I had no idea that some of these people were farmers by day. You know, I just thought they hunted four months out of the year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, <laughs> I didn't know any different either. I just thought that's all they did was hunt the whole time. So. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it. you grow up and you realize it's a little more complicated than that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> So the Guido's Web, for people, we've got a, I guarantee you the vast majority of our listeners don't know what that is. Can you kind of break down that system? Yeah, so the Guido's Web is kind of a, the seat in the back of it. Basically, if you took the seat out of a summit climbing stand and put some straps on it to where the straps formed a connection in the front, and then you hook that to the tree, and then it's got a metal like a, they call it a whale tail, but it's a metal fork that goes between your legs and you rest that against the tree. So basically it's a rigid seat, a rigid back with some seat belt material that kind of holds it all together and some straps for, your, you know, safety and whatnot. But it's, uh, it's fairly simple. It's very comfortable. Um, in terms of saddle, uh, weight, it's probably one of the heavier ones out there. It, it is the heavier, the heaviest one out there. Um, it's it's been since replaced by the new JX3, but it's uh, it's a really comfortable setup. It's just a little bit heavier. So. Okay, and probably maybe a degree less um, versatile. I mean, it seems like you're just kind of a a sitter, like up against the tree, right? Like basically, it's a climber without the metal wraparound frame. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Yep. So what was what was the next progression from there? Where, where did you head, and why? Yeah, so I hunted out of that for one season. I think I killed two bucks out of it, so it was uh, it was a good season out of it. I really enjoyed it. And then, you know, I just started thinking about, you know, how can I lighten this thing up? How can I go, you know, lighter, more mobile? So from there, I went to a Arrow Hunter Evolution, and I hunted out of it for the first part of the season. And then at that point, I was full-blown, like, down the saddle rabbit hole and <laughs> I ended up taking it. I took that thing completely apart and I ended up just sitting in the waist belt portion of it. So I just used the waist belt as a saddle, like the whole rest of the season. And I, I love 
that. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was ultra lightweight. You know, you're not packing hardly anything. And I actually thought it was it was pretty comfortable. So, you know, I, I used that the rest of the season, and I, I really liked it. Well, you know, you talk about killing deer from it. Killing deer has never been, like, an obstacle for you. I think during the season, the worst thing about knowing you is, like, you know, checking in with you daily. And it's, <laughs> and it's like, it's like here's a shot of a, of a buck passing at 20 yards, you know, and it's this monster. It's like, why didn't you shoot? It's like, oh, I didn't have a shot, but it'll be back, you know, tomorrow. I'll be back at it tomorrow. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I got really close. I swear I had, like, eight conversations with you last year, and you got within 20, 25 yards of the same or similar monster deer that's just mondo buck so I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that your first your first saddle was a killing saddle <laughs> well i i've always been i've always been a mobile hunter with a with a climber right and, you know i got pretty decent to getting on deer with the climbing stand and you know killing decent bucks pretty much every year with it and then uh shoot man when i got that saddle and really started to figure out that i could hunt some areas that i couldn't really hunt before and then it was just, man, it was game on after that. <laughs> so was that, that? Was stripping that saddle down kind of the catalyst to to the next phase in your game? Yeah. So after that, um, the very next season, I went to a sit drag that I kind of sewed up myself, and I think the same that same year I started climbing with uh, with climbing spurs, and. Uh, you know, that just took the, the game, you know, just a little bit farther, a little bit more mobile, a little lighter, and uh, had a great season out of that. I killed a couple more bucks from that, and then uh, the next season was in a Arrow Hunter Kestrel. Um, when that thing came out, you know, that was huge for the, for, the saddle, for the saddle community. I mean, that was, you know, the lightest you could get. Um, it was kind of you know, designed, you know, for, you know, with saddle hunting in mind, it was, you know, it was really well thought out saddle. And I put a full year into that and, uh, you know, had another great season. And uh, I really didn't think, you know, at that point, you know, I had the Kestrel, I had my aluminum climbing bikes and a platform that I kind of put together. And at that point, I really didn't think that I could get any lighter, or more mobile and I was, you know, pretty happy with everything and was just going to kind of leave it that way. What what was the so for people who don't know, the sit drag is basically a ultra lightweight chair that you're supposed to take into the woods. It wasn't really made for the purposes of hanging from a tree, even though it's it's more than probably enough to keep you in there that pairing with a rock uh, climate harness can you kind of break that down just a little bit more for people like why you did it and kind of the functions of each yeah so the sit drag like you said it's meant to be used as like a it's an alternative to sitting on the ground you know for for rifle hunting or whatever so um i think that they those things have been made for a long time and then you know, of course, the saddle hunter effect, you know, everybody on the forum starts <laughs> starts buying these things. And, you know, you can blame Greg Godfrey for that. I think he, he spearheaded that whole thing. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we started modding them and adding all kinds of stuff to them. And uh, I actually did not hunt with a rock climbing harness under mine. I just used the sit drag. Really? So I yeah, I just... I'm, I trusted it. I was, you know, I felt okay with it. Um, I, wouldn't rec- I wouldn't recommend doing it, but... 
You did it. Yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Oh, man, dude, my feet are sweaty right now just thinking about being that far up in a tree and not having safety equipment. I mean, like, you weren't being super unsafe. I hear what you're saying. It's just like, yeah, I got the, I got my mantis, and somebody's like, you just need to cut the just cut the leg straps out of it. You know, you don't even need them. I'm like, no, no, those might be the thing that keeps me in the tree. Like, to me, I can't. They're like, it's, it's non-load bearing. I was like, I might slip out. You never know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I definitely recommend, you know, being as safe as possible. It's just, you know, one of those things I felt okay with it and rolled with it. And I, was, I survived, so I guess it was okay. <laughs> but did you die? Yeah, but did you die? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Well, what, what, what year is this? What year are we on here of, of saddle hunting? hunting? So oh, that's a good question. When you, you progress to the sit and drag or whatever, whatever. What, what year and were you – on the saddle hunter forum talking to greg and all these other guys at that point or when did you kind of get into that uh, as well yeah so i had actually been on the forum since uh basically when i started saddle hunting so back in 2014 i think it, the forum was pretty small back then it was just a small handful of guys but uh yeah 2016 was the year i used the sit drag and then 2017 was uh was the kestrel and then uh, I made another big switch for 2018. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Interesting. So if you were comfortable in the, the sit drag without the rock climbing harness, why the, why the Kestrel? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was just the newest thing out there. And uh, I mean, it, it obviously is safer and it's it's made for that. So I think that kind of, you know, push sure. me over the edge to buy one um it was a little bit heavier but but uh probably slightly more comfortable so i mean i i definitely enjoyed using that saddle right no i i, I could see that for sure that's i had a feeling that was kind of the way you're going and there's also this effect that, that you touched on which is the saddle hunter effect and that's kind of like <laughs> and, I, and I wonder if Chase is going to do this because he's not, he, he's kind of a gear junkie, but he's kind of not at the same time. He's real like selective with the kind of stuff that he, 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 he dips his toes in with, but like all saddle hunters, myself included, have hacked something up that was perfectly functional just to see if they could do it better. Right. Like there's, there's this, Absolutely. you're never content with your system at all. And oh, yeah. It's, I mean, that's what's, that's what's so much fun about it though. That's what's so much fun about saddle hunting is you can, you can tweak so many things and make, make everything so personal to how you hunt and your style. That's, that's honestly what I like about it. I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you get a tree stand, you can, you can do a few things to it, but it's, it's not like, like what we do with the saddles. No. I mean, it's just, you can, there's the options are endless and that's what, that's what makes it fun to me you got this this saddle hunter group on facebook i think is like the the obvious like that is hands down except for chasing tall tales uh my favorite (laughs) (laughs) my favorite group on facebook and i go there multiple times a day because i'm like any minute now someone's gonna post something it's gonna be like oh my god i didn't know i could do that with a coke can and save five ounces you know it's like (laughs) and it's it's crazy little stuff like that you know and um I just, it's really cool to see where everybody goes with it. And I saw a question of the day over there and it's like, you know, why would you go with these ultra lightweight saddles and then put all this stuff on them? And I think the answer is because you can, you know, it's like, (laughs) but it's, it's, it's the truth though, right? Like 
if you right. want to go, if you if you woke up tomorrow and you're like, dude, that's a ten mile hike. I am literally only taking my ropes, my release, and my bow with my with my saddle. You could do that, or you can you know put on a battle belt where you can handle all this extra weight, or you can go with large dump pouches or no dump pouches. Do you put your Doyle's uh, bow rope on there? Like, there's all this different stuff that you play around with, dude, and you're never done playing with it. At least I'm not. Yeah, for sure. I mean. Yeah, I still do it now. I mean, there's nothing that I have that is completely stock, I can tell you. I mean, I change <laughs> everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought I had my system good until I had a, a really uh, fun bear encounter, and then I had to make room on my uh, my saddle for, for a pistol. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, we got to balance this out. we got to figure out how to put uh, three pounds worth of uh, lead on the other side of the, of the saddle. So. <laughs> Oh man, so man. I about had to. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> it got a little too close for comfort. Um, oh, you know, everybody t- tells you that those little cuddly black bears just run. Man, every one of them does until they don't. In which case, yeah. that is not yeah. a cuddly little black bear anymore. Until one rips your face off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and this beard is far far too valuable at this point in time with the podcast. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh man! Well, so we kind of you kind of obviously you're you're part of Tether, so we know you're running the, the Tethered Mantis now. But bef- and I want to kind of get to climbing systems with you. I know that's a particular point of interest for Chase, but I kind of want to stick with saddles just for a second and kind of break down what does your saddle set up like? You know, dump pouches, whatnot. Like how are, how is your saddle itself laid out? Yeah, so I've got the uh, the Tethered Mantis. I've got a, a cis hauler um, ES on my right side and a regular one on my left. Um, my lineman's rope goes, it's it's girth hitched to my left uh, lineman's loop on the saddle. It goes in the dump pouch on my left side. My right side, I've got my tether um, and I've got two screw in hooks that, that are hooked to my saddle. And that's basically it on the saddle. I keep it pretty simple. Sure. And um, for a platform, I'm running the Predator platform. And uh, really, that's about it. I'm I'm really, uh, you know, minimalist. I don't carry a whole lot. I've got my backpack with with my fourth arrow arm, which is highly modified. Um, (laughs) My my, uh, Panasonic Lumix G85 camera with the Rode Video Micro mic. And I'm actually running that on a ball head instead of a pan head, so it's really small and lightweight. Huh. Um, and that's it for my camera setup. I mean, it's really simple. Um, and besides that, that's that's basically it. That's all I have. No, no, like pruners or saw or anything like that. Every once in a while, I'll carry a little. Uh, I think it's like a Hoyman or something. Mm-hmm. Little limb saw. Um, every once in a while, I have that, that but. Uh, and I have one. I got. I have a Havilon with a couple extra blades in my in my pack, and uh, you know, headlamp. You know, everybody's got a headlamp. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's about it. <laughs> All right, well. Chase, at this point, I've satisfied what I wanted to know. I kind of wanted to know what his saddle looks like because for me, my climbing system is pretty much set in stone. But I know that you have been toying with a lot of ideas, so I'm going to give you the floor to to pick his brain on climbing systems. Okay, cool. 
Well, I mean, you can go, obviously you can go on YouTube and you can see what maybe a thousand or more ways to climb the tree in a saddle, probably. Um, I mean, it's, it's, that's what it seems like to me. I mean, it's just, you can go from one, some, some people are using sticks, some people are using one stick, some are using two, some have an eight or uh, some are using uh, spikes, climbing spikes, like you said. So what, in your progression, what did it take for you to get to where your system is dialed into right now? And what would you kind of recommend to like new saddle hunters as far as like a system for them to kind of get used to and use and then maybe kind of evolve over time? Yeah, so when I first started with the Guido's Web, I started with the the Muddy Pro Sticks. And um, I really liked those sticks, but I had trouble hauling everything up the tree with me. And I kind of always struggled with that. Um, so the, the first year with the Guido's web, I actually climbed with one muddy stick with a, a five-step aider on it. So I would set the stick as high as I could reach on the tree, climb the aider, set my tether, sit down in the saddle, and then loosen the stick and slide it up the tree. So I would go wow. you know, 25, 30 feet just doing that. I'm going to have yeah, to take yeah. a look at that. That sounds I, I've, cool. I've seen that, and I was like, man, that, that looks interesting, especially if you had to go, like, way deep in and you didn't really want to carry a bunch of other sticks because it, it, I've seen a few people do it, and it didn't seem like it took that long to, to get done. I mean, how much longer do you think that takes you than putting in, like, three steps? It's it's honestly comparable to, like, climbing stand, I would say. It's, it's, really, uh, it's really similar. Yeah, it's pretty quick once you get the hang of it. Um, it takes a little bit of practice to get the uh, – like the the stick spacing, the movement down, but uh, I mean, once you get it, it's it's a pretty slick system, and it's it's not the, it's not all that hard to do either. So, huh? Yeah, it didn't seem like it was super difficult. It's just you just repeating the same process over and over again until you get to the top of the tree, and then you just reverse it on the way back down. So, as long as you have that one stick, <laughs> yeah, don't drop the uh, stick yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somehow on you. <laughs> <laughs> or you carry that like extra 40 foot of rope so you can just like Australian <laughs> on the way down in your saddle. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be repelling out of the tree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Too. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's happened. Oh man. Okay. So that, that's one way to do it. What, what are some other ways that you would give some people who haven't, uh, who are just getting into saddle hunting and you're like, okay, th- this, this is probably something for you to think about. Yeah, so if you're coming from a run-and-gun setup with a lock-on stand um, and you're familiar with sticks, I mean, I would absolutely just, if you're going to start with a saddle, just start with the, the same climbing sticks. Um, it's a good option. There's lots of there's lots of good sticks out there right now. The B-Sticks are one of my favorites from Dan and Fault. Um, the, uh, the new Hawk Heliums are really good. Um, a lot of people are modding those right now. I've actually just, I just built a setup for me this year got them cut down with uh with our new versa straps on them and uh those are a really nice stick um i haven't messed with too many others besides those this year but the uh the muddy pros are a really good option they're a little bit heavy for the uh for the height you get out of them but they're you know double folding step with the rope cam that rope cam is really hard to beat so between those three, those are three really good climbing stick options that are, that, you know, pretty much anybody could use those. They're pretty easy. Um, if you're coming from, you know, like preset, like ladder stands and you're wanting to kind of dabble in the saddle a little bit, 
the uh, the ladder sticks that you can buy from like Walmart or Dick's or you know whatever sporting goods store you know you have around the like thirty forty dollar twenty foot sticks that you just strap on the yeah. side of a tree. Those are a really good option too, and I still actually use some of those in uh, a couple locations. You know, I'll throw them up before season, and if I want to hunt that spot real quick, I can run out there and don't have to carry anything. And huh. those are those are a really good cheap option. If you've got some, you know, really good spots that you know will be good during the road or whatever, you can throw that up. And I think that's another good option for somebody just getting into it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, I bought at one point, I think I went to Walmart one time and they had like the Ameristep <laughs> 20 foot. He did too. Like you're talking about. And I think I picked them up for like 12 or $13 yeah. a piece or something. I bought every one of them he that did. they had. And then I just went on and waited. Well, I went on and waited till like next season. And then I just basically <laughs> two times the price or whatever and sold enough to be like, okay, I got all these for free. Yeah. Because I, I sold these other ones. So I'll do that from time to time anyways. That's that's just one of my things to do. I'm the clearance man at Walmart. Like, I walk in there all the time. And I'm like, okay, what? where can I get something hunting that I'm able to buy enough to where I can sell them to where I get this for free? <laughs> that's <laughs> I think. So look out for them deals. <laughs> I think even my, my current hunting arrows were Walmart clearance, aren't they? From you? Yes, I, I sent those to you because I found them. I mean, I'm talking about super clearance yeah. on those. I've got some... I've Broad, I've just bought them because I was like, I'm just going to buy these because, I mean, they're, they were stupid cheap. Yeah. In the clearance section, I'm like, well, even if I don't like them, I could probably wait and then make my – double my money on these yeah. things <laughs> once the season starts. <laughs> so, hey, man, you got to do what you got to do. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. But you're right. That is a good option, especially, I mean, because I've got some private land and stuff to hunt yeah. where you, you kind of have some predominant areas where you like to hunt certain times of the year, and it's good just to have that set up. And that just helps a little bit with the stealth uh, as well aspect. Now you were using bolts for a little bit there, weren't you? If I'm, weren't you using bolts at one time to climb trees? Yeah, I've actually got a set of uh, carbon fiber bolts and a, a tree hopper drill, and uh, I'm going to be using that a little bit this year for some for some preset locations. And that's a really good option. That's a that's about as light as you're probably going to get for a climbing climbing system i mean it weighs like a pound so it's wow. it's a really good option it, it's a little bit you know expensive for the bolts i think they're like 110 bucks or something for the for the carbon bolts but uh well, it's no more extensive, expensive than a set of sticks yeah it, yeah it's really yeah. not yep no i was saying doesn't know warren womack use bolts as far i think he uses bolts as a part of his system uh, as and I, have you have you actually hunted out of them before the bolts? Yeah, I actually used them a little bit last year on like a couple hunts. I didn't get to use them a ton because I didn't get to preset many trees with them. But uh, yeah, I really like those. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. if you're going to set up a couple trees that you're going to go back to or, you know, kind of like the preset ladder deal. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, you can't get much lighter than that. So. Okay, so you wouldn't really recommend that as far as like a running gun strategy? Or, I mean, I don't know how long it takes to drill them holes and stuff. Yeah, not for me. Um, I It just takes too long, and you work up a sweat trying to drill those holes. Um, See, I mean, that's what I was it, worried about. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how – like, okay, so I've heard two things. One, you're going to die of a heat stroke trying to get the bolts in. 
And then the other person said that there's a drill that you can buy, and it's super expensive, but it's super sharp, and yada, yada, yada. And they were like, it, it, it cuts through the wood like butter. It, is that true, or is it you're going to like work to get it in the tree still? I mean, the the new drills are good. The tr- The tree hopper drill is really good, and it, it does cut easy, but it still takes effort. I mean, it's, right. it's not effortless by any means, so especially doing it with your weak hand with your, you know, I'm right-handed. So anything on the left-hand side for me is, is a little bit tougher, but I mean, it's, it's not bad. It's not like screwing in a screw in step. It's not that bad, but it's, uh, it still takes some effort. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I think hmm. that uh, pretty much answered the questions that I had. I mean, I've, I've done a little bit of research here and there, and I'm, I'm obviously going to, like you guys said, tinker with it no matter what is just to find, okay, this is probably uh, what works best for me type deal. Um, but cool. That's awesome. Right. When, and we didn't even get into uh, my main climbing method, which is oh, climbing wow. spice. Yeah. Okay. I was hoping yeah, you'd I bring us I have a around. pair of those. <laughs> break those down for us. Yeah. So when I first started with the climbing spikes in like 2016, I was using the aluminum climb rights. They were like four and a half pounds modded, so they were fairly light. But then uh, – you know, a couple guys on Saddle Hunter, Ernie Powers being one of them, had a pair of uh, carbon fiber geckos and modded. They're like 2.6 pounds. I was like, man, I have to get a set of those somehow. <laughs> so I lucked out. I got on eBay one day and I was like, I'm just going to check and see if there's any on eBay used. Type those, type that in. A pair of them popped up for 280 bucks. Buy it Whoa. now. So, I mean, I, I smashed that bite now button. <laughs> Cause, I mean, those things, things are like, those things are like 600 bucks brand new. So, oh my goodness. Oh man. I got a, I got a screaming good deal on those. Um, I modded them up, you know, with the quick release buckles and all that. And they're like, you know, two and a half pounds or whatever. I mean, they just, they don't weigh anything. Yeah. And that I use those probably you know, 90% of the time when I, when I can. So I can't use them on all the public land around here, but, uh, you know, I use them anytime I get the chance. I just, I'm so jealous of that component because we can't use those on public land here and I'm almost exclusively public land. Like if I was a 50, 50 split, I'd probably just keep saving up and buy a set of them because it'd be worth it. But I hunt like maybe four hunts a year on public. So it's like, (laughs) It wouldn't yeah. even it wouldn't even begin to be like like worth it. But I'm I'm gonna start an online petition to the state of Florida to allow climbing spurs because <laughs> dude because it's also fast. Like I watched Ernie climb the pole uh the tree pole at the at the World Deer Expo for clarification. But he <laughs> he he just like went right up to the top. Like it was effortly effort. And I was like, Oh man, that is light and super fast. Now I've seen people show an alternative means of, of using a lineman's belt while using uh, climbing spurs where like you, you double the, the lineman's belt back on itself and clip it in. Do you do that? So if I'm thinking right, what, what you're talking about, it makes like an X in front of the tree yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah. So I think that I'm the one that came up with that <laughs> a couple of years ago. <laughs> so I was just messing around and, you know, because guys are worried about slipping or whatever. And, uh, yeah, I made a video on that, doing that. And I'll use that on small trees, on, you know, fairly small trees. But 
Um, bigger, normal size trees, I just climb with a regular lineman's belt. Um, I've never had any trouble. I've gaffed out a couple times, and it's usually just one leg. I've never had both of them come out. But mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's caught me every time. You know, you don't, you don't <laughs> go anywhere. So um, you, you don't you know, I hope I don't life. ever have an instance where I <laughs> go anywhere. But. <laughs> Is that a yeah. uh, is that a butt puckering event every time it happens? No matter how many times you oh, have one. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, see see sweaty feet. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's cool, man. That's that's awesome. I, one day I want to get get in a pair instead of buying one. Just one day when we're all together, I want to try your pair or something and and go up the tree just just so I can see how easy it is. Because I bet you you're up in a tree in what like two three minutes. Shoot, less than that yeah that's taking my time i mean that's right that's going quiet if I, I mean i could be up in a tree 20 seconds 25 seconds like 30 feet um i don't know if you watched uh the the hide and seek video that me and grant yeah, did. that was awesome um, i climbed that tree in like 20 seconds like 35 feet so i mean you can yeah you can fly up a tree in those things man yeah Strap a couple yeah. of those bad boys to the bottom of a predator pack, and you've just got the best running gun system. Oh yeah, yep. <laughs> well, Chase, do you have any any setup questions remaining, or do you want to to get kind of into the the practical application of saddle hunting, and maybe uh, maybe some some stories from from Jared? Yeah, I'm good on the setup. Okay, uh, let's move on. All right, sounds good. So, Jared, you do what I consider to be some of the most badass whitetail hunting in the east i mean you are packing in there you i mean for you it's like these are excursions a lot of a lot of times you you do these videos where uh you yourself or you and your wife go back and i mean you pack back in there and hunt as if a lot of people envision going out west and you hunt in a state that with the exception of a four county area is not really known as the as a big buck uh area all that said, let's kind of set the stage for the listeners on how you hunt West Virginia and, and what your expectations are for, for chasing whitetail bucks. Yeah, so I'm in the northern part of West Virginia, closer to the to Pennsylvania line. So, um, you know, we have a two-week gun season up here. You can kill three bucks. So it is it is not a trophy area by any means. Um, you know, when I'm looking for a deer to, you know, what I call a shooter would be like a 110 inch buck. I mean, you know, if you get a, you know, a three and a half year old buck, that's, you know, 110 inches or somewhere around there, that's, that's a good deer for around here. So it's, uh, you know, it's pretty tough hunting. It's hard to get on, get on a nice buck. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty big into the hunting bee style of, of hunting, you know, finding buck beds, um, super aggressive uh, early season is probably my favorite time to hunt that first week um you know i'm i'm trying to locate you know probably the you know le- leading up to season you know the first the couple weeks leading up to season i'm trying to to locate you know a nice buck or group of bucks using a particular bedding area and uh the the first day of season i'm i'm going in for the kill um you know, a lot of guys like to hang back and don't hunt that early season because it's hot or whatever. And I would encourage you to keep doing that because it gives me, you know, a lot more time to get on these deer without, you know, a whole lot of pressure. But, uh, yeah, I like to try off the wall stuff, you know, things that, you know, people say you can't do, you, you know, people say you can't sneak in on a buck bedded down and 
set up and kill him. And I've proved that wrong quite a few times over the past year or a couple of years. And, uh, you know, since I've started saddle hunting, it just makes it even easier because, you know, I can take my time accessing these areas, um, you know, not make a bunch of noise getting set up. And, um, there's been a couple hunts where I've set up literally within 30, 40 yards of several different bedded bucks and ended up killing them. So it's, uh, that's kind of my style of hunting here in Northern West Virginia. And, uh, yeah, I just, it's a ton of fun to me to hunt that way. So would you describe yourself as like a, a hunting beast style or like a mountain beast? Like how would you quantify, how are you picking the spots where you hunt? Yeah. So typical, you know, hill country, mountain terrain, I'm looking for, you know, leeward, leeward hillsides, um, laurel thickets, you know, that, that are on that leeward side. If you can find that, um, you know, there's going to be bucks bedded in there and then, Basically, it just comes down to, you know, scouting it, figuring out where they're going to when they leave the bed. You know, usually they're they're dropping out of their bed, headed toward acorns or, a, you know, just a hay field. You know, we don't have any ag or anything like that around here. So, you know, they, you know, these deer around here are more of a browser. You know, they're not, there's no corn, there's no beans. It's acorns and, and browse in the woods. So that's... Uh, you know, if you're not if you're not getting in close to them, bedded, that you're not you're not even in the game, really. I mean, sure. you might get you might get pictures of them out on a hayfield in the middle of the night, but uh, you know, you could sit there until the end of season and you might not ever see a buck. <laughs> so you you it sounds like your deer having to travel a great distance, and is that kind of playing to your advantage in the sense that in the morning you can get into where he's going to be before he gets there, and vice versa if you get in tight, he's, he's going to have to move to, to be at the bean field or the hay field at, at midnight. He's got to start moving at like five, five thirty. Is that kind of the game you're playing? Yeah, you can beat him back to bed sometimes in the morning. Um, usually that would be later October. Okay. You know, when they're, when they're hanging around looking, maybe starting looking for that first doe, but, uh, generally the early season, I'm, I won't hunt mornings. I'll hunt just the evening and I'll go in pretty early make sure my access is good, take my time. You know, my goal is to make no noise going in and setting up. So that takes me a long, long time to get to get in and get set up. So I'm kind of focusing all my time on that evening sit, and that's where I'm, you know, having most of my success in the first 10 days of October. Yeah, it's usually the last Saturday in September. So I think this year it's like the 28th or something like that, but it, it generally comes in right around you know, first of October, right in the September. Okay. okay. And then y'all season runs, I think you've got like a pretty lengthy season, right? And isn't it, or is there an urban hunt or something that, that runs at the tail end of the year or something like that? So our general season ends December 31st. Okay. But we, we do have some urban stuff that, that may run a little later. I'm not sure. Okay. I've never done that, but uh, yeah, December 31st is the end of our regular one. So why why the hill country? Smaller bucks, harder hunting. Is it just proximity, or do you enjoy that personally? So I mean, this is what I grew up doing. I mean, okay. this is where I've hunted all my life, and I love the challenge of it. It's I mean, it's hard hunting when you finally do get get a pretty nice buck. It's you know just you can't beat that feeling. Um, 
I've started hunting Ohio, you know, the last several years and it, the hunting over there is just easier to me. I think it's 10 times easier than it is here. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to sound cocky or anything like that, but yeah. I mean, you've got, you know, you've got a one buck state, um, a short gun season. There's just more bucks and it's just, you know, if you put in the time that you put in here in West Virginia, I mean, you're going to get a chance at, you know, a pretty nice buck usually. Well, I mean, there's no shortage of, of really good bucks passing you either there in West Virginia. I've got a, a buddy of mine, I think that hunts the part of West Virginia you hunt or somewhere similar to that. And, uh, they have some really good success year in year out. In fact, we're probably going to have him on the podcast here before too much longer, but, um, it seems like there are parts of this country that the amount of effort you put in corresponds to good deer, right? Like the, yeah. to the quality of your yeah. deer. And it seems like West Virginia is kind of one of those States that you can still work hard and get on good deer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, if you hunt smart and put your time in, I mean, you'll get a chance at a good buck here. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not impossible by any means. I mean, I, I'm sure I would come, you know, down South and I would probably struggle big time, but, uh, you know, if you put your time in, you're going to get a, get get a chance at a pretty good buck right you think you'd struggle because of a lack of topography or just differing like because everybody has their niche right like for me i feel like i'm i'm strongest hunting river bottoms like that's that's what i'm good at um take it or leave it i haven't killed anything lately but um (laughs) i I have i you know i was killing crap before i started posting it to social so um you know and i've got photos buried somewhere of that but you know in all seriousness swamp bottoms flatland swamp bottoms has kind of always been my niche and you can ask chase uh if you don't if if anybody wonders because those are all the like oxbows and stuff that i send you know when i'm looking at scouting that's where i'm looking at uh, when we hunted public this year, that's where we went down. And I feel like if you put me somewhere where there was no water and everything was just kind of like homogenous cornfield after cornfield, I feel like I just look around like, what the heck, you know? Like, so it was like nah, topog- you'd figure it out pretty. You figure it out pretty quick. <laughs> I've I've been there. There's only so many places. If the that's corn's true. down, that's if true. The corn's you did up, figure yes, it out you quick. Prob- you figured it out in like 48 you, you hours. Probably, you probably would. Uh, you probably have a hard time if the corn was up, but with that corn down, there's only so many places they can go out there and stay hidden. And they, they definitely are some nice pinch points and funnels and uh, things like that. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not easy. I don't think it's easy really anywhere and you still got to put the time and effort in, but it's definitely parts of the country where (laughs) you definitely aren't going to struggle as bad or you're going to have more encounters, uh, just because of the setup. Sure. I mean, in Florida, there's areas down here where they, a buck can get up, go anywhere and still be in cover for a mile Yeah. and bed down right there, get up, walk a quarter mile, bed down right there. I, the bedding thing, that's why I always hear people when they're talking about hunting buck beds. I'm like, they can literally bed anywhere on my property because it's that thick in a lot of the places. So to me, it's hard for me to pinch down like, okay, this there's like one buck bedded here or multiple bucks bedded here because I've seen where they just they bed everywhere. So that's why it's kind of hard for me to go, okay, I'm going to hunt buck beds. And then, like I said, where I'm at, it's kind of it's really flat, and there's nothing to funnel them anywhere. So it, it, it's a little bit difficult down here for sure. But I'm not saying it, you can't get it done, but um, there are certain, and especially where Walt, all the, where Walt's at, it's, it's real difficult up there too. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'm working on like a theory right now that, you know, if you can find like water 
not not for like the hydration purposes because there's water everywhere here but i'm wondering if thermals aren't like the funneling source here like if if you have a, a thick little pocket of water that's covered by trees it's going to stay cooler longer which means in in yeah. you know we don't have really heavy winds here until later in the year so does that constant drawing of that of that thermal down into that bottom does that create bedding around the edge of that you know like so we'll, we'll see. I'm trying to figure it out because there's got to be some degree of consistency, you know, like that's, there's got to be some pattern. You just have to find it. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Yep. Well, we, we've set the stage for where you hunt. I would love for you to share some stories with us, but not just any stories and not just the, 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 the high, you know, the, this is how it all went textbook. I want to start off if you'll allow it. With your worst blunder, deer hunting from a saddle. I'm just talking like the hunt that that when people start talking about having a bad day in the woods, you just kind of shake your head and go, "Oh boys, strap up, strap up. This is going to be a funny story right here." So the the very first saddle hunt that I ever did, I'm this is the very first time ever hunting from a saddle. So I, w- I walk out onto this this ridge, a uh, pretty little patch of white oaks in there, and it's just pounded with sun. So I set up in this tree, and this is a tree that I've been using with my climber, so it's just a nice straight tree. So climb up this thing, uh, deer start filtering in, and I'm on the wrong side of the tree. And I guess I hadn't practiced enough shooting, you know, to, I guess I'm I'm facing the tree, you know, that's my 12 o'clock. So I'm sitting there, I look over my right shoulder, and there's a shooter buck standing 30 yards away, coming up this ridge and I turned around to shoot him and just the position of the saddle like I'd never you know experienced that before I could not draw my bow back and this deer deer is standing there perfectly broadside and I mean I'm cranking on this bow and I can't get it back (laughs) so I mean you know very first saddle hunt got a shooter buck 30 yards that has no clue I'm there and I can't draw my bow back and uh yeah I never did get it back and yeah he busted and I didn't get him so that was that was pretty humiliating I mean if I'd have been in a climbing stand I'd have you know he'd have been dead but well had you could you have drawn at a different angle and turned or were you just strictly trying to draw off? Because I know how you were, must have been trying to draw because I've tried it before and the same thing, basically. You're like, oh, nope, that ain't happening. Um, yeah, I was on uh, screw-in pegs for a platform. So uh, okay. my feet were close to the tree, and I was just turned, like, super awkward. And if I would have been in my current setup that I use now, like, it would have been no problem whatsoever. But just, you know, everything combined it did not go well <laughs> <laughs> well at least you got it out of the way at the beginning <laughs> the very first hunt yeah yeah the the only question really that Pretty i quick. have <laughs> is was it on camera and what's the link because 2002 you started filming i'm sure you got that on camera i did get the deer on camera i don't think i got the whole you know not being able to draw on on film and i I don't think that i posted that video anywhere (laughs) (laughs) i don't know that i would have either (laughs) i don't know self-destructed i I just posted a blooper reel of myself so i i think i'd probably be pretty quick to to put that out there but yeah so 
Inversely, let's talk about one of the hunts that uh, maybe just like everything went perfectly and you couldn't believe how it went from the saddle. Maybe one that would have only come together because of the saddle. How about that? Yeah, for sure. So I had, I've had a couple of them that were really, really cool. Um, probably one of my favorites was my uh, biggest buck that I've ever shot with a bow. And I was in Ohio on our on our small lease over there. And um, so the way this hunt kind of turned out was really cool because I, you know, we, we didn't get the property until, you know, it was almost the opener for, for that year. So we got it late, you know, in the summer. Um, I walked the entire property um, pretty much one day, just kind of, you know, mark and all the, the sign that I could find. And I ended up jumping up a buck out of his bed. Um, there's a small little clear cut on the side of a, on the side of this ridge. And I jumped him up out of his bed and I, you know, went in there and marked where he was at and kind of checked my access and see how I could get in there on, you know, with the, the wind or whatever. So kind of figured it out and I left and I didn't come back until, see, it was October 28th. I went over there. We had a cold front come in. It was raining temps were dropping um we had a wind switch out of the northwest which was kind of what i needed to hunt that spot so um it was about about one o'clock in the afternoon i kind of started working my way toward that that area um i didn't have a tree picked out or anything i just kind of knew where i needed to be set up so i kind of creeped my way in there super slow um i got in there where i thought was a pretty good spot to catch a buck coming out of that bedding area um, based on where I had marked it, I was roughly like 70, 80 yards from that, from that bed. So I, you know, climbed a, found a small little oak tree, um, climbed up it with my spikes, got set up in the saddle. And, uh, it was about five thirty that evening. I just happened to turn around and I could see a main beam sticking out from around a tree and it was super nice point nice heavy nine and uh, he was just feeding his way he come out of this bed in this on the edge of this clear cut and he kind of worked his way he actually came in behind me so he's coming from like my six o'clock if i'm facing the tree so i turn around to prepare for the dreaded weak side shot you know to my three o'clock i thought he was going to kind of veer that way so i'm kind of pushing myself off my predator platform and he's kind of headed like he's going to head to my three o'clock position and at the last second he turns and he goes behind me like headed toward my seven o'clock position so i push myself off my platform and i have one foot hanging out in the air with one foot you know kind of buried in the corner of my predator platform and i'm just pushing myself as far as i can around the tree with my right leg hanging out in the air. Like I don't have it braced on anything. So this, this deer's walking, he gets in some thick brush and I'm, I'm thinking he's going to pop out in one little opening. I have, so I draw back and he just kind of stops and he stands there. So I'm sitting there at full draw, one leg hanging in the air. <laughs> it's just awkward as I'll get out. So I'm holding my bow for like two minutes and I finally had to let down because I couldn't hold it anymore. So I let down, and as soon as I did, the buck walks through the opening, he passes <laughs> it up, and he's headed toward another one. 
So I draw back again, and he does the same thing. He just stops, and I end up oh, having God. to let down again. And at this point, he's starting to get nervous because I've, I'm making a bunch of movement, you know, trying to, you know, drawing and letting down twice. And so he turns to leave, and as he turns, I draw back real quick. You know, after doing it twice, I was about out of energy. I couldn't hardly pull my bow back, but I pull it back. I stop him. He stops right in the only hole I have is about a, a basketball size hole. And I squeezed the shot off and just absolutely drilled him. Oh man. And he nice. runs 30 yards, runs 30 yards and falls over dead right there. <laughs> and, uh, that was, that was my first Pope and young with a bow. Um, just an awesome hunt. The way it all went down was super cool. I got it all on video and it was, man, just yeah, that, that hunt is still one of my favorites to this day, just the way it all played out and, you know, the tactics involved to pick my access and all that. And it was just, yeah, super, super cool. Wow. That's awesome, dude. That was that was this past year? That was actually 2017. Oh, I didn't know the Predator platform was out there. Yeah. <laughs> was it 17 or 18? Yeah, I think it was. It was the predator platform. Maybe I got my years mixed up. But it was... <laughs> you know, you kill when you kill so many deer. You know, it's kind of hard to yeah, keep it all straight. They all just run together. It happens for some of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, who are you talking about? It ain't me. <laughs> oh, oh man, dude. Well, listen. Uh, Aside from any parting notes to it, to an upcoming, actually, that's that's the best way to finish this. What advice would you give someone who has been lugging a forty-pound API climber and camera gear into the woods, who's now <laughs> wanting to get into saddle hunting? What one piece of advice would you give them? Man, just do it. I mean, you know, you're you're going to have a little bit of a learning curve, but there is so many people out out there right now that are willing to help um just just jump in i mean just sell the climber get a saddle set up just do it i mean it's i think it's completely worth it it's uh you know you're gonna have some some uncomfortable sits to start but uh once you once you figure out you know how to how to dial the system in uh, there's honestly there's no reason to be hunting from a tree stand these days i just really (laughs) don't think there is i mean you know i'm you know, I, I may be biased because I, I'm working for Tethered now, but I can promise you I would not work for Tethered if I didn't absolutely love this stuff to begin with. So, I mean, I've I've been sold out on it since I started. You know, that, that first week that I bought that Guido's Web, I sold every single stand that I owned. I went, <laughs> I pulled stands down out of the woods that had been there for years and sold them. I mean, I sold every single one of them. So, wow. yeah, I just, you know, I can see the benefits of it right away and uh yeah my advice is just just do it that's awesome man that i did the same thing when when greg and i talked and he was sending me a, a predator or a, well predator too but a but a mantis i was like i've got to sell my crap i think i think i told you about this chase didn't i where i just i sold everything and i was like if i if i have it here i'm just not going i'm not going to give it a fair shake that's what I was my biggest fear was you yeah. know I, I that the 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 saddle would get here and i'd be like oh well you know this excuse or that excuse on and on and on forever, you know, but yep. yeah, yeah, man, I remember you sold that lone wolf pretty quick. Yes, it did. 
I sure did. <laughs> you can buy more saddle stuff with the money you make. So. Yeah, exactly. Win, win, win. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> what does Michael <laughs> Michael Scott calls that a win 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 situation, which is the yep. uh, the ideal situation. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, dude. Awesome, man. Well, hang on one second. I want, I'm going to wrap this up, but uh, I want to chat with you afterwards. All right, man. Guys, this was an epic podcast. I enjoy every moment I get to talk hunting, saddle hunting, but also to, to get back in touch with, with Jared and uh, talk hunting with him again. If, you, if you're if you new to the podcast, and we've had a lot of new people find the podcast here recently. I encourage you to go back and find, man, probably about 30 episodes back now. Uh, the the Wyoming episode. No, it wasn't thirty episodes. It was back in January. Go back to January. Uh, it was close to thirty episodes. Was it? It was like episode seventy three. There or you something. go. Okay, so I wasn't off by much. Man, time flies when you're having fun. But anyways, go back and find the episode that we did. Jared dropped some awesome information about his hunt out west, and it was a great time. So until next time, tell a friend about the podcast, leave us a rating review, and most importantly, get outside and great and enjoy the great outdoors. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king. But who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver. Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.